thanks for tuning in to... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Thanks for tuning in to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. You're listening to episode 27, How to Deal with Scary Clients. At some point in your career, you're probably going to have some run-ins with difficult brides and grooms. It's practically unavoidable. So grab some candy and settle in and enjoy this week's spooktacular episode of Rock Your Wedding Biz. Welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast with your hosts, wedding planner and educator Renee Dallow and blogger and social media strategist Mindy Marzek. Listen in as they bring you the best, brightest, and most honest industry advice on the internet. Their mission is to help you, wedding rock star, work smarter, not harder. Hope you're ready, because it's time to rock your wedding biz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rock Your Wedding Biz podcast. This is Mindy Marzek, and I'm joined, as always, by Renee Dallow. How are you? Hello. Hello. That's my spooky voice. Hello. Yeah, we're publishing this episode on Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, everybody. Renee, do you celebrate Halloween? Do you Are you the type of person who decorates and gets dressed up and passes out candy to the kiddos or parties it up all night? I do half of those things. <laughs> okay, which one? <laughs> I will buy candy from the neighborhood kids, and I will hand out candy very enthusiastically. But yes. I refuse to get dressed up. I freaking hate it. Really? Yeah, I hate really? it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I don't even like costume parties any other time of the year. Like, I don't want you to tell me what to wear. Just let me wear what but I'm But you're an actress. Wear. This is why I hate it. Because I get paid to dress up. Or I used to get paid to dress up. And I don't want to do it on my days off. <laughs> that Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But my husband loves Halloween and likes to dress up in scary costumes and scare the kids who come give out who come for candy and it's every year it's like a big fight because he tries to go be as scary as he possibly can and these are like little children so he loves halloween and i don't <laughs> i hated those houses when i was a kid i wouldn't go to them thank you if there was a scary person at the door and my parents would just be like they probably have the best candy because no one comes to them and i was just like no i don't care it's not worth it Actually, I don't like being scared. Your parents are not wrong because I do buy some excellent candy, but you have to just get through like the layer of like smoke and haze and music and lights and my husband. And it's like a big production <laughs> at my house. It's like a big thing. But yet and yet I'm there like in a sweat in like sweatpants and a T-shirt like, hey, happy Halloween. And he's like, <laughs> it's yeah, everyone should come over. It's really something to see. And I'm drinking wine and he's just like very he's like Mr. Halloween. It's really I feel like you should throw a Halloween party. Oh, for God. That would be fun. Can I come as myself? Can I come as like nothing? It would be the, the most laid back <laughs> Halloween party because you'd be like, you don't have to wear a costume, you guys. Just show up and drink wine and enjoy everything that my husband set up. <laughs> I mean, let's do it next year. I'm in. Do you like Halloween? You know, I do. I I like to, I do like to dress up. I'm What I don't like is the planning of it. Mm -hmm. Like I hate. You know, I it's we're recording this a little bit before Halloween and like I see on Twitter all of my friends like going to the Disney Halloween parties and they have their outfits planned in like August and I was just like I I can't live that life. No, I'm not here for that. Uh uh, no way. But I do I'll wear a good Halloween t shirt and uh, or maybe try to do something simple and I now that we have a house, I do love passing out candy to the Halloween uh or Halloween candy to the neighborhood kids because when we lived in an apartment uh, most of my life, uh, or most of my adult life, uh, we couldn't do that. So, yeah. um, so 
So I do I do enjoy seeing all the little kids in their costumes. So I do like Halloween. And I will say as an adult, I'm less enthusiastic about like an actual Halloween party. I just mm-hmm. kind of like I want to pass out candy and turn the lights off at nine o'clock and then go to bed. Exactly. Except if I have one next year, that will actually be the party. We'll be like, and it's done at nine and the lights are off and we're just going to drink a bunch of wine and hang out in our sweatpants. I think this is a great idea. We should gonna do I, I'm really liking this. I'm glad we're hashing this out in front of anybody yeah. who might still be yeah. listening to us. But Fantastic. we do have a topic for you guys today. <laughs> we actually do have a topic we to do. talk about. And it's about scary things. Yeah. Yeah. We decided to, uh, to go with the Halloween theme and we're going to be talking about how to deal with scary clients. <laughs> no, that's a horrible, yeah, that's a horrible sound effect, but you know what we mean. Scary clients. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what, what would you say is a scary client, Renee? Like just like over overreaching definition of a scary client. Oh my. Okay. So scary client, I feel like any version of Bradzilla or Groomzilla, like any version, anything you can put under the umbrella of Bradzilla or Groomzilla Anyone who does not respect you or your boundaries, anyone who I think has unrealistic expectations of like the entire wedding process or like, or the outcome, like it, yeah, I think a lot can fall under scary clients. I also very, 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 very strongly feel that, you know, what might be a scary client for me might not be a scary client for someone else, because I think scary clients have a lot to do with like your own like business, like core values. So we're going to talk about that and kind of dig dig deep a little. Yeah. And the thing to think about when dealing and we're saying scary clients, but really we mean just like difficult clients or yeah. clients. Problem who, children, as I call them. Problem clients. Um, like it's going to happen now and then, and it could even happen. You could even be super careful and like land your ideal client. And then you find out that the mother of the bride or the father of the groom is like a nightmare a yeah. bridezilla a bridezilla or groomzilla themselves yeah. you know and you wouldn't know that because you never talked to them during the hiring process i mean listen sometimes that perfect client that you book in the consult who you love and love and love and maybe you love them for six months maybe they become a nightmare like toward the end of the process like it it, it has happened that perfect clients have turned yeah so th- it's something that really it, it's going to be hard to avoid it's going to be hard to go your whole career without encountering a difficult or problem client. So that's why we wanted to tackle this topic because probably I feel like also a lot of wedding vendors aren't willing to admit that they have problem or difficult clients with their other (laughs) wedding vendors because it might make them look bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I totally agree with you. I also think that in any of these scenarios, even with myself, like I've broken up with clients, I've been broken up with um, you know, you always have to say like, what's my 50% here. Right. So like, not, not, it's not like one party gets out unscathed, you know, sure. like, there's a little, there's probably a little bit of something on either side, but because the wedding industry is such an emotional industry, because we can't help it. We're dealing with people's wedding days. It's inevitable that you're going to have to deal with someone who's less than ideal. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. Just things that we've experienced, uh, tips, tricks, tactics, all the things that you can do to kind of get through that situation hopefully successfully. Yeah. And I think that one of the first things to talk about when talking about scary clients is how to avoid hiring someone that could end up being a problem. Or, you know, maybe there's a little voice in your head during the hiring process 
that this person could be a problem, but you really want the work. So you go for it. Um, mm-hmm. How do you, Renee, as a as a planner, because you you kind of are a little closer to this than I am as a blogger, even though I am in a lot of Facebook groups for brides and I run a lot of Facebook groups for brides and I see the way that some of these brides and grooms um, act in the group. So I can't even imagine how they might act with, with their vendors. <laughs> um, but I'm going to ask you as a wedding planner, what uh, strategies or systems do you have in place to even identify the people who might be a problem? I love this. So a few years ago when I rebranded Moxie Bright, I sat down with myself and I made a document that was all about my core values as a business. And it took me a while to sort of dig down and say like, you know, what are the things that I feel the most strongly about? And like, you know, honestly, you you could have 15 core values, but at some point they're not so core anymore. So I, I whittled it down to my top five. And one of my top five, uh, core values is respect. And if you look on my website under the about me page, that's where I list my core values. And one of the things I say is that all of my clients need to have respect for one another, like respect within their relationship, respect for me, respect for all the vendors. Like there has to be respect on many, many, many levels. Mm -hmm. The reason I mentioned the respect is that I see that come up more often than not in the consults that I don't want to book. So when I do my client consults, um, I, I very, very, very strongly try to do them either on Skype or through FaceTime so I can see them. Yes. Good idea. So for me, it's so important to see them. Um, we can talk about in another episode why I don't meet them in person. That's because they're not paying me. And that's a whole other thing I can talk about, but I, I need to be able to see them. Do you require that both of them, if it's a, if you're if they're hiring you for a wedding, do you require that both of them are there? I don't require it. Like I won't reschedule it if one of them can't be there, but I definitely, I address all of my correspondence to both members of the couple. I am not like a bride centric wedding planner at all. I try to be very equitable with that. So like, I'm always going to write dear Mindy and Tim can't wait to see you Mindy and Tim like on yeah. everything so that, but, and most of the time the, the both partners will show up to the call and that's ideal every so often I'll just get a bride. That's like, Oh, he's at work. He can't do it. Yeah. I'm just curious about that because we're, we're talking about problem clients. You know, how do you know if you're only corresponding with one half of the, of your client <laughs> of the client partnership? Um, how do you know what the other person is like? So, so if it's a situation where I am only getting to speak with one partner, I will flat out ask the person I have the conversation with, like, what does your partner think about the wedding? What are your partner's goals and hopes and dreams for the wedding? And if they say, like, I don't know, or I don't care, oh, God, that's the worst. Or if they're like, oh, he doesn't care, then I am think, okay, that's kind of a red flag. Like, the both partners should care. Right. Maybe not equally, but they should both have an, they should both have a stake in this. Yeah. Let me tell you a quick, quick little story. I did a consult. Uh, it was probably two years ago and the couple both showed up. I kind of had a red flag going into the consult because um, the bride never put her partner's name on anything. Oh, interesting. it was like she was marrying herself. <laughs> she kept saying my wedding instead of our wedding. Uh, she yeah. Didn't, yeah. She didn't put his name on the inquiry form. She didn't answer because sometimes if they don't put enough on the inquiry form, I'll send an email that's like, Hey, in preparation for our call, please answer the following questions. She never answered the question about like, what is his name? And then during our 30 minute FaceTime call, he was sitting right next to her. He didn't say a word. She never t- spoke to him by name 
She never even really looked at him. And at one point she described herself as a Bradzilla. Oh. And I was like, and I was, I mean, I already knew I was out. Like the minute we started talking, I was like, no, you're not for me. But it was very telling to me that I was like, these two, like there's something, there's a disconnect between the two of them. And I'm not going to come in there and fix that. And, and honestly, I believe when people tell you who they are, you should believe them. Right. Or show you who they are. Like very clearly they were, their, their attitude and body language show that they were not the right clients for you. Exactly. Now that's an extreme situation where like, obviously you'd have to be hit over the head. You're right. To be like, Oh, let me get involved with these two. Like they seem lovely. Um, But I've also had, you know, clients who at the, at the beginning were super lovely and as stress, you know, took over and as finance finances took over, it, it kind of disintegrated into a really bad situation sometimes you can't get around it. Sometimes you find yourself in a situation with a difficult client and then you just have to like, just do the triage and figure out like, how can we get out of this the best that we can? But for me, for the consults, I especially, I look for some keywords. I look for them having respect for me and my time. If they show up late, that's not a good idea. That's not good. If they cancel on me and don't reschedule and like, don't try to reschedule, I'm done. Like I'm not someone who's going to, you know, hunt people down to speak with me. No, no. Yeah. So I just think respect is such a big deal for me that if I exhibit any t- any tiny or big thing that speaks to they, that they have a lack of respect for me or their partner or the process, then I- I'm out. And certainly if they call themselves a bridezilla, I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, why would you advertise that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things I say a lot in my consult calls with my potential clients is I, I let them know that I consider my job as their planner in assisting them to be good hosts. So if they don't really care about being good hosts to their guests, if they say things like, well, this wedding is for me, not for them, or I don't really care what anybody eats, then those are keys to me that we're probably not a good fit. I like how we're breaking this down that like to show that having these values and having these ideas for what you want your client to be, you know, picturing your ideal client will help you weed out the people who could be a problem for you in the future. But let's say that someone gets through or (laughs) let's say you're in a position, you know, not everyone is in such a a position where they can turn down business like that. They they're maybe new or they're struggling and they just feel like they Mm -hmm. have to accept anything that that comes their way. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you're going to find yourself in these positions where you are with a client and they are difficult. So we want to talk about some ways to kind of keep everyone peaceful and get (laughs) just kind of get through the event. So one thing that I always try to keep in mind when I am, I mean, mostly I'm thinking about my clients who hire me for social media consulting, but everyone has their own personality. And Mm -hmm. obviously everyone's not going to mesh with everyone else's personality. That's just impossible. But there are things that you can keep in mind um, like when you're answering emails or talking on the phone, uh, you know, certain people have different personality quirks and you kind of have to tailor your conversations in order to keep people happy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so much of, well, especially as a wedding planner, but I just think in, in any service-based industry, so much of our jobs are figuring out how to effectively communicate with another person. And, you know, communication is one of those things that I think we all assume should be like, quote unquote, easy, but it's really not. No, it's not. There's almost like a science to it. There's like 
certain tests that you can do to find out what personality type you are and like how to talk to other people with other personality types. It's crazy. It's so true. It's so true. I, you know, I spend a lot of time with my clients, especially my full planning clients. I ask them a lot about what they're worried about. You know, like, what are you worried about with wedding planning? What are you worried about with the wedding day? And if they start talking about like problem family members or tricky situations, like you better believe that I'm keeping that in the back of my mind. So if I have a client who says they have a challenging relationship with their mother, right, mm-hmm. which which is so common, I end up letting that information sort of inform my relationship with them. And this is what I mean. If you have a challenging mother, it might be that your communication style is defensive because you're always trying to say like, no, mom, I want it this way. Well, as a wedding planner, I'm kind of a mom figure sometimes. Sometimes I'm a friend figure. Sometimes I'm a mom figure. And so it depends on the relationship. But I always try to say, like, if I know someone has a challenging mom, I do a lot of like, if they present me with an idea, I'd be like, that's a great idea. And I agree with you. And here's how we're going to get it done. So that I'm validating their choices, because I think there's probably someone else in their life that's not. Yeah. And that's like, it sounds super therapy-ish, but that is part of my job, I think. I think. I, I find that that is part of what I do. No, that's the perfect example. I mean, if you have a situation like that and you say the right thing with the wrong tone, it can go south really fast. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That's the perfect example for that. You know, keeping, keeping personality or not even personality, but, um, you know, people's relationships, people's relationships or their position in life. Like you're going to talk to, forgive this example, but you're going to talk to your Beverly Hills estate clients differently than you're going to talk to your downtown loft wedding client. 100%. And what's interesting is that they're probably getting the same information from me. They're just getting it in a different way. You have to, yeah, you have to keep in mind who is receiving the information and say it and say it in a way that won't trigger something. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, I think a lot of times with service-based things, your clients just want to know that you think they're they're doing a good job, you know? Oh, and yeah. like, and you, and you're on their side. So I do a lot of like, I agree with you. Let's see how we can make this happen. I say a lot of, I use a lot of, um, not soft language, but I say like, I, I would encourage you to do it this way. Not you should do it this way. You know, things that sort of makes it seem like maybe my idea is actually their idea in the end. That's fine with me. As long as we get to the finish line, I don't really care how we get there. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot less ego uh, involved in a service-based industry. You really have to think like how, if, my, if you want your client to do A, B, and C, you got to figure out how you're going to get them to do it. That's just the truth sometimes. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. You have to just keep, you know, people's personality and their writing styles or their speaking styles in mind so that when mm-hmm. you need to bring something up that could cause a conflict, you can go into it, you know, like Renee said, with, with a bit of a soft hand. And I think too, you have to really listen. I find the clients that I've gotten in trouble with in the past, and and I'm not a perfect, you know, wedding planner by any means. Like I've gotten into it with clients where I've been like, I did not do the best job for them in the end because I wasn't really hearing them. And I think, you know, you can listen to someone and not hear them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes when clients are talking to you, they're kind of maybe saying or not saying the full thing that they mean to say it's it's a skill you really have to cultivate of like okay they told me this what does that really mean for them and then sometimes you have to just say it like i'm sensing that you guys are freaking out about money or do you think you're over budget you know like you have to just have the hard conversation sometimes you know yeah i love that it's almost like 
you have to read or listen between the lines sometimes totally, and, and figure out what they're not telling you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a bunch of mind games, but it's, it's the way to make your job easier in a way. Okay. So let's talk about what to do if you have a problem client and you just can't go on any longer. Well, I think first you have to determine what those lines in the sand are. Yeah, because obviously anytime that you have to break up with a client or fire a client, it is not a good situation. <laughs> I mean, it's it, the most horrible thing. It's the yeah. most horrible thing. And it could have, it could honestly have lasting repercussions if you don't handle it in the best way. I mean, even if you do handle it in the best way, you really don't know in the end what's, what's going to come from it. I had to break up with a client. It still gives me a stomach ache to talk about it. Uh, but I will talk about it because I feel like it's the thing we don't talk about. You know, no one wants to be like, oh, that ha that horrible thing happened. Um, you know, for me, for my, uh, you know, I don't think we should do this anymore benchmark. For me, it's there's three things. And I, I'm not saying that in this case, all three of these things were met. But for me, it's always been three things. It's obviously a lack of respect has been, you know, something has changed and the respect is gone. Mm hmm. A lack of trust. So like if they're accusing you of stealing money or stealing, not stealing, but like charging more than you said you would, or, or somehow there is a miscommunication about like what you're supposed to have been done, whether that's financial or in services, like they feel somehow cheated. Right. I guess is a better way to say it. And then three, just like any kind of, um, I guess this falls under respect, but like any kind of name calling or pointing fingers Anything that's sort of um, like kind of off the charts aggressive, like I'm not, I'm not here for that. So it kind of, I mean, it kind of points back to your core values. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, specifically, I can speak obviously to just wedding planning, but, you know, my job is very personal in that I'm up in your business the whole time we're planning the wedding. Like by the end, I have a relationship with you guys, with the, you know, whoever the couple is, and then possibly both sets of parents or the maid of honor, like I'm intrinsically involved in these things. And so if something happens during the planning process where suddenly they don't trust me anymore, for me, it's like, I know that you're not going to want me there on your wedding day. I know that this has been damaged beyond repair. Right. And it really will be better for everyone if I just walk away from this now, because I don't want to ruin your wedding day. I still have, even if the respect isn't getting returned to me, I still have respect for going, going out Right. So I have to say what I know is best for this is that I'm not here and you move forward with someone that you do have good feelings about, because the wedding day is, as we both know, since we're married, the fastest day of your life and you can't do it again. Yeah. And I would never want someone to say like, oh, everything was fine, except we hated our wedding planner. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, this is a difficult it's a difficult subject and it's difficult to think about. So do you want to, in the you know most broadest way possible, share how you knew when it was time to break up with a client? Oh, I literally felt it in my gut. Like I opened an email from them, read it and thought, oh, they don't trust me anymore. Like we're done. This is done. And I had a lot of sensation in my body about like, how am I going to fix this? I need to fix this. And the more I sat with it, the more I was like, I don't think I can fix this. Like they're, they're saying things about me that aren't true. Oh no. And you know. How, uh, at what part of the wedding planning process did this happen? Uh, in my case, it was fairly close to the wedding. It wasn't so close that, that I, it was close, but not, not so close that it was like a tragedy. Okay. 
it was like a month or two away from the wedding where I was like, everything was basically done, but then I, and I could give it to someone else and say like, okay, now you finish this. Um, all the hard work, all the heavy lifting is really done except for the actual wedding day. Honestly, when I, it was funny. I, you know, I think that when people say like, oh, you broke up with a client, they think it's like this big dramatic, like, and I'm leaving for me, it was more like, okay, how do I service this situation the best? Or how do I do the kindest thing for them. And, and I really do. Th- and I still think to this day, the kindest thing that I did for them was to just walk to say like, this isn't a good relationship anymore. And I, you know, very gently, like they found someone else. I, I offboarded them to the new person. I wish them well. I, I have no, I don't really have a lot of malice for them at all. I just wanted their wedding day to be what they wanted it to be. And I knew that based on this communication, like they were just never going to be pleased with me. Right. And, and I just felt like I, I don't know that I can repair this. And I think the the kindest thing to do is let them go with someone else. You know, I, I've heard because all the vendors on that wedding were my, were my vendors that the day was lovely and everyone was happy. And, you know, they were very, they had a really lovely day and that's really all I ever wanted for them. So for me, it was more of, I don't know. I, it felt like just the right thing to be, to be doing. Yeah. I just, I still imagine that it's extremely difficult to actually make that decision. No, it, completely sucked. And, you know, the thing is, I actually made that decision in a place of calm. I didn't make it from a place of anger. And so that's the only thing I can keep coming back to where it's like, you know, I, I did what I thought was the best for them. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that other people having broken up with a client, maybe it's something financial, maybe it's something that's much more emotional and much more heated. And that and I can't imagine what those situations are. I, I, I'm sure that, you know, and there's no, there's no good way to say goodbye to a client. There is just isn't, you know? And the thing is, I still really like them. They just didn't like me anymore. (laughs) I mean, obviously something, something had to happen on their end that caused them to either lash out or whatever, whatever it is, however they treated you. Yeah. And again, like you were saying earlier that generally it's a 50% situation. Oh, for sure. Oh no, for sure. If it's a perceived wrongdoing that didn't actually happen. Right, right. And I look back on that whole situation and I think, yeah, there there are many times, well, not many, but there's a, I can, li- I can name like two or three times that I should have been like, whoa, 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 wait, time out. Let's have a talk about this. And I let things go um, that I shouldn't have. And I, that's a lesson that I've learned, you know. It leads back to having core values, um, to knowing who your ideal client is, and to being able, and a little bit from experience, to be able to see those red flags and know when you should maybe get out earlier or not accept uh, a certain client in the first place um, so that you can avoid doing the breakup. But it is nice to hear that if someone has a client that's just so over the top that it is possible to do a kind breakup. Well, it depends on what's in your contract. And that's a whole, oh, that's a whole other episode yeah, okay. that we'll do at some other time. But like my contract says that either one of us can, either party can, you know, walk away from the contract um, with 14 days you know, notice. And that can go either way. And I've, you know, I've never had to enforce it until, until that moment. But, you know, it very specifically spells out how the contract can be canceled okay. in, in either case. And since then, I've actually added some more language about like the reasons that it might happen which deal with like respect and harassment and, you know, all these things. I'm not saying that in this situation, those things happened. I just, you know, I don't want to be specific about it, but I'm saying that I I've since added more language that makes it a little clearer as to like, especially in the, in the era of like me too. And, and just dealing with like 
every day what it's like to be a woman in a workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, I've added some, some language like that. Yeah. So it's a good idea to, in case you ever need it to have this language in your contract ready to go. Yeah. We'll do a, we'll do a whole podcast on contracts maybe in the new year. That sounds like fun. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's favorite topic, contracts and legal stuff. (laughs) But it has, we have to know, we have to know about it. You have to know. I mean, here's the truth. Breaking up with a client is like the worst thing that the, I mean, the only thing worse than breaking up with a client is getting fired. So it's a thing that will probably, it will probably happen to everyone, but hasn't happened to you probably does not, hasn't happened to you yet. Um, I would say just try to lead with kindness and lead with a servant's heart and just think like, how can I make this a better situation for them and try to keep your ego and your anger out of it. If, if those things, if the anger is there, just try to keep it out because it doesn't serve anything to just be angry about it. Sometimes you have to go like, okay, we've come to this part in the road. It is what it is. How do we make it the best that we can? Yeah. I love that. That's the, uh, I feel like that's the perfect summary for this topic. So if you guys have any thoughts on this topic, dealing with scary clients, or you just want to uh, tease Renee about being an actress who doesn't like to dress up for Halloween, you can come to our (laughs) Facebook group, uh, search for Rock Your Wedding Biz Podcast Insiders, and give us your thoughts on Halloween and dealing with scary clients. Yeah, we want to hear all about your scary your scariness. Your scary. I want to hear, I want to see all your scary Halloween costumes. <laughs> and uh, be on the uh, listen next year for Renee's awesome Halloween party that we're going to plan. Yes. And you're all invited to my house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't show up. Don't show up at my house. All right. All right. Lovely. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week on Rock Your Wedding Biz. Thank you for listening to Rock Your Wedding Biz. This episode is sponsored by Moxie Bright Events, wedding planning for creative couples and industry education for creative event planners. Also sponsored by Joy Social, teaching smart social media strategies for awesome business owners. You can find Renee online at moxiebrightevents.com and reneedallow.com. You can find Mindy online at joysocial.net. Jump into the show notes at rockyourweddingbiz.com and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Wedding Biz.